You're listening to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Haley Schaff, where I'm here to empower you to become the alpha of your health. Hello, you guys, and welcome back to Alpha Health and Wellness Radio. Today, I'm going to be sharing my top five tips for managing inflammation. And so inflammation is really important because inflammation is pretty much at the root of mainly any symptom that we notice. So inflammation can be at the root of joint pain. It can be at the root of skin issues like acne, eczema, rosacea. It can be at the root of even inflammation. You know, those five to 10 pounds that we just struggle to lose. We feel like we can never do anything to lose that weight. Majority of the time, that's inflammation. I'd say vast majority of the time, that's inflammation. I mean, think of if you have a meal that you don't typically eat, you drink some alcohol, you live a stressful lifestyle, you go, you know, you you kind of go off your routine a little bit and you step on the scale and you gain some weight. Well, a lot of the time, that is inflammation that you're losing. I see this a lot. People who they're like, no matter what I do, I can't lose that last five pounds. I can't lose that last 10 pounds. But when we really work on these tips that I'm going to talk about here to manage inflammation, that really can just melt right off, I guess, for lack of better words. It's not really melting. You're just, you're not losing anything except for you're managing inflammation. So that's really common. Obviously, inflammation is at the root of pretty much any chronic disease like heart disease, hypertension, diabetes, especially cancer, Alzheimer's. I mean, we think of all these main chronic diseases that we struggle with and inflammation is at the top of them. Um, and we think about even obesity and and um, you know, the obesity epidemic and that whole population is, is inflamed. Um, and so when we think about that, then the, the inflammation is continuing to drive all these other things like autoimmune disease, because when a body's constantly inflamed, inflammation can be a good thing when it's in the sense of, okay, if I just sprain my ankle, I would like there to be inflammation because the inflammation is stopping me from mobilizing it. The inflammation is my immune system going in and helping to kind of clean up all the damage and make sure that everything is good. You know, acute inflammation can be really, really beneficial because it's our body working at an optimal level. It's showing that your immune system has good function and it's in a lot of ways, very protective. The problem is, is when we have chronic inflammation and inflammation is not just your sprained ankle, it's your joints are always swollen or your hands are always swollen or your skin is always inflamed or your stomach is always swollen because it's always bloated and that's inflammation. And that's a problem because over time, that's really stressing your immune system out. And that's where we run into a lot of autoimmune diseases, um, immunity, hyperactivity, and all these different types of things. And so, you know, most of us probably can relate to at least a few of inflammatory systems of inflammatory symptoms. But today I really wanted to just really work quick work through some of my favorite tips for inflammation. And with being root cause focused, uh, that's where these tips are mainly coming from is really helping to address the main drivers, I would say that I see of inflammation in clinical practice. And so the first one would be managing stress and stress. We've talked about this a million times, but stress looks very different. There's many different forms of stress. There's mental and emotional stress. So, you know, feeling stressed at your job, feeling stressed because, you know, it's 2022 and we've been in this for two plus years or stress can look like, you know, you're a working mom, you're trying to work and take care of your kids and provide for your family and all these things with life going on. 
Um, it can look like the loss of a loved one or just stress in a relationship, stress with, you know, I'm feeling unsatisfied and, you know, that mental emotional piece can, can look a long ways, but think about how often we feel those things. Um, but to put into perspective how, again, chronic these things can be, but stress can also be stress that we are putting to our physical body. So are we training too much? Because if we think about it, exercise is a great thing. And I'll talk about that movement is a really phenomenal way to manage stress. But if we are moving too much, which I feel like there's a healthy balance. And especially I come from a place where I come from more of like the fitness world where people train six, seven days a week. They don't know how to take a break. That is very inflammatory to the body. It's very inflammatory to your joints. It's very stressful, especially if you're doing high intensity things multiple times a week. Um, I think of all the people who are like addicted to spin classes and they go five, six, seven times a week. Um, and they, they're putting themselves in these sympathetic states. And so I think having a balance and not that spinning's bad. I love, I think that could be a good exercise when it's supported supplementally, but are we running ourselves into the ground with activity? Are we living in a stressful environment? Are we living with mold? Are we living in a household that has endocrine disrupting chemicals? Are we in a are we in a place in our life that that we're able to support our physical body? Uh, physical stress is, is really really important, and that can look a little bit again different for everybody else. Internal stress, bloating, constipation leaky gut. Are we having, are we, do we have food sensitivities that we probably suspect that we have, but we just are so addicted to these foods that we can't give it up. That's a little bit of stress every single day or every single time we eat that food. And so every time we're enwrapping ourselves in this stress, we are constantly burdening the system and not allowing the system to be able to really take a break and reset itself. And so, I mean, just, just think about those things for a second. Think about all of those things. Like, stress in your daily life, stress in your work, like stress in your, your regular life. Are you moving too much? Or even on the other side, are you moving too little? Because if your body is not able to kind of expend this energy or move in a way that feels good on a daily basis, that's also very stressful to the body because we are meant to move. And so this is the kind of like that hard limbo where you're like, well, you're yelling at me for overtraining, but then I'm trying to take time off. And you're like, so should I work out? Should I not work out? Everybody's different. I think that if we can aim for 30 minutes of activity a day, depending on what stress our body's under, and we can kind of manage the stress that our body's under by looking at your HRV, uh, your resting heart rate. If your resting heart rate or your is higher or your HRV, your heart rate variability, which is kind of measuring your sympathetic nervous system is lower, that's a sign that your body's stressed. And that's probably a sign that you probably should take some time to do some yoga, do just, just do like light walking outside. Don't go hit that crazy intense workout session. Don't go hit that crazy intense boot camp or hit session. Because sometimes when we burn the candle at both ends like that, you're going to feel more inflamed and you're going to feel worse. So I think it's, you know, it's, it's really hard for me to tell everybody what to do. Even people that are my patients and clients, because at the end of the day, they're the ones who are in their body. They know what their body feels like. And so it's really hard for me to say when I have to teach you how to recognize these things in your body. And sometimes that's harder, but that's how you make this a sustainable lifestyle long-term. So we have to manage our stress. And so managing your stress can look like, you know, maybe staggering the days that you work out. Maybe it's, if it's more mental, emotional, it's taking time off social media. Maybe it's really using your paid time off or blocking out your schedule 
even if it's just have lunch by yourself or go meet a friend or go take a walk outside, go do some yoga, do some meditation, whatever that looks like for you. But we all, we need to feel, not feel bad about scheduling time in to manage our stress. I think that especially for most people who are type, type A like myself, it's essential. And it's something that we shouldn't apologize for. It's something that we need so that we can obviously be better at whatever we do, but also really manage equilibrium and homeostasis in our body. So I'd say stress is probably one of the biggest drivers. Um, stress also can come from, I had kind of mentioned how it can come from leaky gut and foods, you know, that, that might be stressful to our system, you know, thinking of the big ones, uh, gluten can be a big one, even for people with non-celiac, uh, dairy, like conventional dairy can be a big one for people in non-celiac. Sometimes nightshades bother people. Sometimes it's the additives that are in certain foods, like artificial ingredients and artificial sweeteners. Sometimes it can be the glyphosate and pesticides and herbicides that we spray on things. So kind of taking a look and seeing like how certain food affects you. Do you get bloated? Do you get tired? Sometimes when food isn't just always a, it's not always a digestive stress. Sometimes it's how we feel. Sometimes it's our emotions. Sometimes it's our energy. Sometimes it's what shows up on our skin and we're all very different. So I really encourage you to look at how these different stresses are affecting your body. Kind of going off of that is balancing your blood sugar because so many people so many people that I see and work with are very subclinically insulin resistant uh, and pre-diabetic. And when we are constantly having high blood sugar, that is constantly high inflammation um, when we're never able to regulate it and get it to a certain extent. So if you aren't sure how to do that, you can be using a glucometer or get a continuous glucose monitor and see exactly what foods and what lifestyle is doing to you so that you can manage your blood sugar better. Because even if you're not struggling with weight loss, which that's a common thing when people are struggling with weight loss, a lot of times it's insulin or leptin resistance, which has to do with kind of like your blood sugar balance and using, you know, your fat store for, for energy and, or using fat for energy with a mix of carbs. A lot of people, a lot of people, a lot of people struggle with that. I will just continue emphasizing that because you would not believe the amount of cases that I see. I never ever would thought that I would be focusing on blood sugar balancing for what I do, but it, it's something that I see pretty much all the time, if not in every single person that I work with. So it's really, really important. Okay. So you like, you can get a glucometer. Like I said, I really like the continuous glucose monitors though, because you're able to see what your blood sugar is like at any point that you want to see it. And I think that that's the most useful. That's what we're currently doing within my online membership within the metabolic makeover. So if you would like to join and you'd like to see what yours is doing, you can join us. Um, that course is always going to be there. So you can always work through, we're on week five now, but you can go back through at the beginning and I'll catch, you can catch up and interact with us just as you would as if you had started from the beginning. We're finding a lot of good results and we're decreasing a lot of inflammation. People are seeing, you know, just pounds just drop off because of the fact that they're decreasing so much inflammation through balancing their blood sugar that then it's a cascade effect. So that's really, really beneficial. But if nonetheless, know where your blood sugar levels are at, if you're suspecting that this even could be a question for you. Um, so blood, balancing blood sugars, really, really important. Uh, obviously <laughs> we talk about this a lot on the show, but reducing the inflammatory seed oils, things like vegetable oils, canola, corn, 
cottonseed, sunflower, safflower, and soy. So a lot of people ask, well, isn't sunflower seed a good seed? Yeah, it can be a healthy seed if you eat it in its whole food form, but the problem is, is when we extract those things into an oil, it's not an oil. These things are seeds, so they have to be, in, they're one, a lot of those, especially soy, soy corn canola, very heavily sprayed GMO crops, so they come with that burden, and then we process it, we deodorize it, we bleach it to make it look even edible. And so for that reason, that's why those oils are just so incredibly inflammatory. So I would stay away from those um, if you're not already doing so. I mean, those are the big ones in terms of diet that if you can stay away from those, you're doing a pretty good job. The problem is they're found in a majority of food. They're found in a lot of, quote, health foods. And the unfortunate thing is, especially if people eat out a lot, they are usually found in restaurants. So not that I'm against ever eating out and we have to be perfect 100% of the time. But, you know, if you're eating out three to four times a week, you're being exposed to quite a bit of vegetable oil and inflammatory oil. Apart from, you know, depending on what you're getting to eat, it could be extra inflammatory. So I'm a huge fan for cooking at home. If you are going to get takeout, you know, support, you know, your favorite healthy restaurant and try to get the best choice, but try to make that a moderation thing. You know, if you're crunched for time, I'm really a fan of crock pot meals. I'm really a fan of, I mean, especially crock pot, cause then you can have it left over the next day. So kind of preparing ahead, seeing what your week's going to look like and knowing, oh, this day is going to be really, really busy for us. And you know, I, we would normally get takeout on a day like this, but let me just make a crock pot meal. So it's ready for us when we get home and then we can have it for lunch the next day or whatever. P planning ahead is really important. However, I do know that we're all humans. Yesterday, Nick and I went to go run errands. We took out two pounds of grass fed ground beef. And when we got home, Tala had taken both of them out of the sink, unwrapped them, didn't get anything anywhere on the carpet. And she ate both of our ground beef. And by the time that we got home mid afternoon, we didn't have anything else to take out and we ended up getting salad bowls from Chipotle. And so is that what I wanted to have? No, not really, but that was a quick choice that we can kind of just do in the meantime. And we'll just plan to cook and hide our meat that's thawing from her in the future going forward. So that's really, really important in terms of balancing blood sugar. So kind of Going back to movement, movement's a really great way that we can mitigate inflammation. We think of we think of a pond that is just gross. It's got all that green algae growing on it. It's got lots of just like biofilm stuff looking. It just looks gross because it's just a pond that like nothing is going through. But then we think of a stream, like a really nice freshwater stream that's, you know, going through a mountain and the water's crystal clear, the water's moving briskly. And it just, it just, it looks so refreshing. Which one would you rather drink from? Or which one would you rather let your body be? Would you rather be something that's in motion or completely stagnant? And so movement's important because movement is moving our lymph tissue, which our lymph tissue can get backed up because our lymph is a huge detoxification system that requires movement. So it requires either physical movement, you know, like touching or like actually moving your muscles. Whereas, you know, our circulatory system obviously moves whether we're sitting or moving. But um, movement's also really important, again, for just regular or more intense circulation, which can help mitigate more inflammation. So we think of, you know, after an injury, after an ankle injury, 
you know, having it immobilized for, you know, a little bit can be okay and beneficial, but if you keep it immobilized for a long time, it's going to continue to swell. Whereas when you start moving again, you notice, wow, the inflammation's going down. I'm noticing that, you know, I can finally see my ankle again, whereas before it was just completely covered. And so that's kind of to put in perspective that healthy balance of knowing what is too much and what is perfect for your body. But movement in general is perfect. Even if you just get 30 minutes of walking a day, I'm part on top of that, you know, it'd be great to add in a few strength training sessions, you know, maybe some body weight stuff, but if nonetheless 30 minutes a day of movement is going to make you more like that healthy flowing stream that's on a mountain instead of that gross stagnant bacteria laden pond that nobody wants to be. So movement's really important for helping healthy inflammation levels. So what are some of, well, I guess, so then the fifth one. So we had managing our stress managing our healthy blood sugar levels. We had reducing inflammatory things like seed oils, uh, which I'd say seed oils would be the biggest one. And then I also mentioned any other inflammatory food that could be inflammatory for you. So if you had a, I just want to say one more thing on that. Cause if you've had a food sensitivity test before and you had a million different things light up that you shouldn't avoid those million different things for the rest of your life and just be like, Oh, I'm just allergic or sensitive to all of these if you see a million different things light up on a food sensitivity test, that's not telling you you have a sensitivity to all those. That's telling me that you have a leaky gut problem because that's, the, and that's why I'm really not a fan of food sensitivity tests. Cause then people just avoid those foods forever and they're not actually addressing why their body is showing those to be inflammatory to them. So yes, use that for a tool, but then also know how to utilize it so that you can have a better gut barrier, which will therefore create less inflammation down the road. So managing stress, managing your blood sugar, reducing inflammation through food or through certain foods, uh, through inflammatory vegetable oils, movement. And then the fifth one would be adding in anti-inflammatory foods. So these typically across the board are pretty anti-inflammatory to pretty much everybody. Um, Obviously there are certain caveats and you can always check with your practitioner to see if it would be right for you. But really just across the board, good anti-inflammatory foods. One of the biggest ones that comes to my mind is turmeric. It's a really great Ayurvedic herb. I love using turmeric. It's great. I mix it in eggs. You can mix it in smoothies. I use it to saute vegetables, uh, especially like roasted cauliflower with some turmeric and ghee. It's amazing. Uh, turmeric is a really, really great inflammatory herb. And then especially if you add some pepper, it really helps to accentuate that anti-inflammatory property. So you can supplement with turmeric, but you can easily add it as a spice to many of the foods you cook with. And so I'd say that's probably the best and easiest way to add it in, or you could do something like a curcumin turmeric type supplement. Ginger is also another really good one. Ginger is especially really good for tackling digestive inflammation, but it does work systemically for other inflammation. Um, Cinnamon can also be a really good herb for that too. So we've got cinnamon, ginger, and turmeric that you can use on a hopefully depending, but daily basis, you could use them is a spice for accentuating healthy inflammatory response. We have obviously wild caught fish. So with wild caught fish, I think opting for a smaller fish is better because the bigger fish are coming with more issues with heavy metal exposure, mercury, uh, and just more toxic exposure because our ocean is, is, is quite polluted. And so the bigger fish are just holding on to more of those things. So, um, you know, it's best if you can do a smaller fish, you know, like wild caught salmon, sardines, things like that, uh, are, are tending to be a little bit better. Cod liver can be pretty good because the cod liver does have DHA and EPA as well as vitamin A. 
vitamin D. So that's, that's one of my favorites. I don't eat it. I do take that in a supplement form. So, you know, in terms of wild caught fish, those are great. Certain leafy greens can be really good, um, in terms of anti-inflammatory, but, uh, one of my favorite recipes kind of using a few of these things is a golden milk. So it's like a full fat coconut milk mixed with turmeric, cinnamon, pepper. You can add in like a scoop of collagen because collagen typically is pretty anti-inflammatory. You can add in some bone broth, which usually I'll do like, I don't know, four ounces, four to five ounces, because then bone broth is really anti-inflammatory. I really like making mine in the crock pot, but I will use kettle and fire bone broth if I am buying it because sometimes life happens and I don't have bones on hand to be able to just boil. So that is definitely coming in hand um, quite frequently. So those are kind of some of my favorite herbs that we can be adding in to help address inflammation. Uh, obviously, whole foods always across the board is what we should be focusing on, less processed foods, foods that aren't sprayed with chemicals, foods that don't have additives, because all of these things are, are information and they're signals to our body to produce certain things. And so we just want to make sure we're producing all that we need to be and all that we can to make us optimal. So um, try out these tips if you need help or uh, if you have questions on if this would be right for you, just make sure you ask your practitioner. Um, and I think so many of these things are very doable for a majority of people. So try them out. Let me know what you think. And I hope that you guys have a great rest of the week.